0: Man, this is Deion Dawkins, man. And you're listening to The Scoop on owlscoop.com. You already should
1: know. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Scoop, owlscoop.com's podcast, season eight, episode 47. I'm John DiCarlo, and with me today, Declan Landis. Hi, John. What's up, buddy?
2: Oh, not much. Just happy to be here. Thanks Recording for in the same room. I know, not it's on crazy. Zoom. It's glorious. It is. It really is. It's good to be back up here and not, you know, and in Maryland. No what offense did, to Maryland. What are you? What are you drinking there? A a, a Joe T? It's called Joe T. Yeah, I picked it up at uh, at Old Nelson right down the street. Um, I really like Joe T. I don't know what it is, and it's the only place I've ever found it. Is Old Nelson? So. See, if
1: I, if I knew you were going to be at Old, oh, that was earlier today.
2: That was, so I had texted you as I was walking in, and then you texted me when I was—I had already walked out, so I was like, okay, it's going to be less than $5, and anybody that's been to Old Nelson knows that, you know, you can't put things on your card if you spend less than $5, and I don't have cash on me, so I made the trek up to CVS, got you your uh, vitamin vitamin water, water, dragon fruit flavored, just delicious.
1: Just a a glorious, glorious mid-afternoon drink.
2: Absolutely. You know, nice and refreshing, you know, it's perfect. got some, I believe
1: it has some electrolytes. See? Vitamin Water, go. non-official sponsor of, of The Scoop. Of
2: yes, a, no free no free shout-outs, but well, it's good. Too late for that. <laughs> um,
1: happy to be with you guys for another episode of Valscoop.com's podcast. Uh, the bulk of today's episode is going to be the first part of my conversation with new Temple basketball coach, Adam Fisher. Really excited to bring that to you guys. We've got some Temple football Recruiting updates for you. Some Temple basketball recruiting updates for you. So, some cool stuff to get to in the episode. Declan, what do you have for me for famous number 47s?
2: I grew up listening to this man on the radio every, you know, felt like every summer night. Larry Anderson. Oh, yeah. Yep. There we go. Both his stints with the Phillies. How and I'll I've I'll. got another one that's a little more obscure. Not obscure in the sense that you wouldn't know who he is, but he only wore this number for one year. Uh, Dallas Green. And Dallas Green, Philly's heavy. Yes, this week. Well, that's the only two I could think of that weren't NASCAR.
1: He wasn't. He wasn't wearing forty-seven the year they won the World Series in nineteen eighty. No,
2: he? he was not. I don't believe. Okay. I think it was later than that. Oh okay. no, 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 no! This was his playing days. Excuse me. Oh, his
1: playing days. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, yes, it's good. Cool
2: by you. Only know that because his grandson and I went to the same high school and we were good friends.
1: His sle- his his grandson went to Slesianum. Yes, and both you were of good them. friends. Yes. We're wow. two of
2: them. He's very many. First date buddies. Yes, absolutely. And he was from Pennsylvania too. So neither of us from Delaware.
1: Baseball, I, I, Kyle would be proud of me if, if he was here today. I mean, he is, he is here on this earth today. Right. Just not yeah. with us. He's here in spirit. I, again, I make it sound like if he were here today, Kyle would be proud of me. Like, <laughs> like if he's he listening. He's like, he ah, yeah, I'm, I'm right here, buddy. I'm listening. <laughs> Tom Glavin, uh, a Braves pitcher who frustrated yes. me. Is both a, a Phillies fan and a pirates fan. I believe Jack Morris wore number forty seven for the Tigers. That's a he's, he was before your time. Yeah, I was gonna say I don't know that. Before name. your time. And then I'm gonna see if you can get this one. A current a current NFL executive oh wore gosh. during
2: his playing days. Uh current NFL. N F C West. Oh, it's the Niners GM. I can't think of his yes. name. Yes. I can't think of his name. His first name sounds a lot like mine. Okay. John. <laughs> I can't. Lad, I just, I, John Lynch. John Lynch. Played with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. My fault. I like. I knew who it was. I just couldn't think of his name. There you go. So,
1: I'm sure we're missing a few. Pat Egan usually gets back to me when he listens to the scoop and says, Hey, you missed this guy, that guy, and that guy. And they're normally hockey players. And yeah. Again, I'd be hard-pressed to name more than...
2: A handful of prominent hockey players. Right, that's now. valid. I mean, I'm of course notorious for googling numbers. I didn't do that this week because I didn't. But How do we really know though? I mean, I figured that more people would be here, <laughs> so, I was, <laughs> so I was hoping to lead on them a little. You bit. You walked in, and you were like, hey. Yep. Well, I got the text earlier from Johnny that said he wasn't coming up, and then Ramirez said, "Actually, I'm not. I'm working till 4:30 today." So,
1: did the Phillies call Johnny and say, "Hey, uh, the Diamondbacks
2: need"? An emergency bat boy we can put you on a flight and you can be out here in five hours i don't think so it might have been he had to prepare uh getting what's his name calem scott in because i don't know if you're listening to the radio today but nick castiano said that they're back listening to dancing on my own so
1: i did not know that, that.
2: actually might have been johnny's responsibility today like just making it. sure that you know everything's good in the dugout. there we dug go out. Dug, well, clubhouse dugout same thing yeah just completely well, not, mixed they're not my the words. Same thing, but no know. just you know anyway it was I'm a good sure try johnny appreciates the free publicity so. i'm sure he does
1: <laughs> before we get to the rest of the podcast a reminder once again that the scoop is brought to you by greenspan and greenspan injury lawyers if you have been injured while on the road or the highway in the crash was someone else's fault the insurance company will not be on your side you need us temple law grads who will fight hard to get the compensation that you deserve we only get paid if we win so in pennsylvania or new york Call us today at 215-261-7359. That's 215-261-7359. And you can find them on the web at greenspans-law.com. That's greenspans-law.com. So, as promised, we're going to play a portion of my interview with New Temple basketball coach Adam Fisher. He was kind enough to talk to me for about 45 minutes in his office. We're recording this late Tuesday afternoon. Talk to him earlier this morning, and uh, Parts 2 and Part 3 are going to be available later this week for subscribers. What you're going to hear now is the first part of that conversation where Adam's talking about the newest members of the roster, the transfers, Matteo Piccarelli from UMBC, Quante Berry, the redshirt freshman from Providence, Jordan Riley from Georgetown, and Steve Settle from Howard. All four of those guys are players that we have, of course, covered and written about, uh, Adam talked to me about those guys, how he plans to recruit and use his big men, what he's learned from all the, the coaches he's worked for in his life, like Jay Wright, uh, Jerry Dunn, Ed DeCellis, uh, Jim Laraneg at Miami, of course, has been probably the mentor to him, as you'll, you'll hear him talk about here, and uh, eventually moved up to one of the three bench assistant roles there. So that's the part of the interview that you're going to hear now, and uh, we'll play this for you and then react to it on the other side. This is the first week where you guys have the whole team together for workouts, correct? Truly the the, the whole group with the new transfers and everything, right?
0: Yeah, we're waiting on uh, one guy, John, who gets here next week, Matteo.
1: It's very early on, and you've been very, I think, intentional about saying, I don't want to call us a family yet until we really get there, but just a couple days into it, how how things look so far.
0: You know it's been really exciting you know it started for us on sunday we did uh what i would call family barbecue so we had all the team staff we had our athletic director and his family our, all our coaches families were there uh and that was just fun kind of you know be around we had the football you had different games like a tailgate Uh, we had a food truck which was awesome an ice cream truck and we we did it on campus so Mm -hmm. this would be something i would do at my house once i find a house here Mm -hmm. Um, but that was something i thought that started bringing us together we met we watched um, a video on the history of temple it was actually about three minutes long Um, so they have the pride and passion for it. And then we showed them some clips of themselves and basically said, now now it's your turn, Team 128. And practice has been fun. You know, it's the first time we've been out there as a group, and uh, that was most exciting for me, being able to practice on – or workout, I think is the right term – on Monday uh, with all the guys and just seeing the energy. And they just – Everything you say they want to do right now, perfect. And I told them, game's not perfect. The season's not perfect. But we just got to make sure we get better each day. I wanted to ask you if you could take us through your process
1: with the new guys, with Mateo, with Quante Berry, with, with Jordan Riley and Steve Settle, whether they've talked to me or whether they've talked to my assistant editor, Kyle Gauss, they all talked about, like, granted, every coach is going to say, yeah, we we're really detailed in how we evaluate these guys. But you know, one of the common themes seems to be that these guys were really impressed with the work that you guys put in and really studied their games. I remember Steve saying, hey, if you make a couple tweaks here, your three point shooting percentage could go from here to here. Can you just take us through that process of what it's like for a new coach to come in? Because it's not like it used to be where like, yeah, my roster is mostly intact. It was hurry up and go with a bunch of stuff and then hitting the portal. How did you guys prioritize what you were looking for and then how you evaluated these guys?
0: The first thing we did was uh, identify who was here. Mm -hmm. And that was our first thing. We met with all the players that were already on the roster. Some guys obviously stayed. Some guys decided to go elsewhere. But that was the way we spent the first week. And I felt they all chose Temple for a reason. So that was priority number one. Are you coming back? Are you not? And if not, it's okay. And we let those guys work out in our gym. Even that decided to go elsewhere. Because I believe they made a commitment to Temple. So we allowed them to do that. Um, From there, we identified what we thought we needed in the transfer portal. So we did a deep dive on a lot of guys, and they had to fit, A, how we want to play, great academically, and then just fit our personality. So we did a deep dive, and uh, we do an analysis, a basketball analysis, not to get too detailed here, on Mm -hmm. each guy. And we figure out, you know, where are their strengths, what are their weaknesses, can we help improve them. And they're not drastic. You know, Steve, we said, we're not going to try to get you from – Let's just use this as a hypothetical 35 to 56% from three. It's not going to happen. But if you made this many more in a season, your percentage could go from this to that. And we talk about uncontested, contested, just getting best shots. So we do a deep dive in that. And that's kind of how we attack the portal and figure out who we want to go after. And then we show them on the visit. Like, hey, here's a, a breakdown of your game. Not the film of it, but these are the numbers. And the numbers everybody can get. Um, they're on Synergy and different different devices like that right now. So I think a lot of guys don't see it. They don't see their shot chart, things like that. So we showed them that. Uh, and again, it's like a puzzle, John. So we're trying to piece it together. And then as one piece came in, now we shift gears to a different piece. And you know, that was something that was kind of unique for us to do it's been challenging but it's exciting in the same sense
1: if you look at a guy like Mateo obviously it doesn't take a genius to figure out that he can he can really shoot the ball how did that come together was it was part of it Bobby saying like hey when we played him at Albany when I was at Albany this year he heard us how did that come together and how can he help you what do you think you can get out of him this year
0: yeah so obviously I've said it a lot I want to shoot a lot of threes and he fits that mold you know we had a young man Andrew Funk at Penn State Mm -hmm. Um, so you know I I looked for guys that can, you know, not just be catch and shoot, but he's got a high IQ. He's a really good passer. So, you know, people I don't know know that they see and they hear him talk about the 40 percent. But he does a lot of other things that I really like that's going to help us win games. Um, So I think his skill set was the number one thing. And obviously, Coach Jordan coached against him and he heard him. And, uh, you know, you got to see if it translates it's different leagues and different levels and um, you know I think if you have that skill set that you can shoot you can shoot anywhere um, so we're really excited about him I think he's excited to get here um, he graduated from UMBC his family flew in for graduation and then they actually drove to see campus so we got to meet them which was really cool experience for us uh,
1: what about Quante Berry a guy who redshirted at Providence last year had a pretty high level fairly high level recruitment when he was headed to Providence how did that come together and what do you like about him?
0: Yeah, Quante, what excites me is, you know, he, he can do so many things. He's so versatile. Coach Clark had known him ahead of time, which was good. So we already knew a little bit about him going in. We also talked to the coaches at Providence to get a deep dive. And, you know, I, I told, just like I tell recruits, I'm going to do a lot of homework on you, do it on us. Research our staff, research our program, research the people we've been around, research who's on the team. That's really important. So I tell them that right off the initial conversation. I think he's. Super skilled. Uh, he's only going to be a freshman. And I think he's got so much talent. He can defend his length. And he's got a great personality. His family was great on the visit. Just good people. They fit what we're trying to do here.
1: When I talked to Jordan Riley, he was pretty open about the fact that he was like, look, I'm, if you look at my stats, you're not going to be blown away by him. He had that good stretch where he started some games, and Georgetown had a uh, couple injuries, had a couple good games against Nova. But, again, he was another guy who said – This was the one staff who, they looked beyond my stats. And he said, because my recruitment was not what it was this time around. What did you guys see in him where you thought he could help us? I mean, there's some length and athleticism there. Same thing. What do you think you can get out of him? What did you like about what you saw from his couple seasons at Georgetown?
0: You know, know, there's a lot of things that we liked about him. I think his ability to get downhill. He's played at a, a high level. He's a competitor. He just wants to get better. He's got a chip on his shoulder. And, you know, I think we get caught up sometimes in the transfer portal and stats and what did they do and this and that, especially on some younger guys. So he's a guy that I expect to come in and make an immediate impact. I expect him to bring this energy. He's a competitor. We've already seen it in two days. Like, he competes. He's dapping guys up every practice. He's bringing positive energy. That experience, even though he is younger, has been huge for us. So I expect him to be a guy that the fans really enjoy because he's going to bring it every night.
1: What about Steve? He's Steve Settle's a great story. was part of like a really loaded DeMatha team but wasn't one of the top four or five scoring options there. Goes to Howard, keeps progressing, and then was part of a really historic team for them and played really well when the game was still in contention there for those guys. I think he had ten in the first half against Kansas. What does he mean to you guys now and what have you seen from him?
0: No, Steve was a huge addition. You know, we got to talk with his mom and dad, what great people. Um excited that they're a part of our family as well. He he brings winning, right? He he's been in the NCAA tournament, he's won, he's played in the game, and he just wants to get better. Another guy with a chip on his shoulder. I remember watching him in high school. We recruited a young man that was on that team that ended up going to the school i was at so we got to see him and then all of a sudden you see him progress through the years and i just love how he keeps going up 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 he just keeps climbing every year he gets a little bit better a little bit better um his length his skill set is, is going to be huge in our program and we're super excited and staying
1: at that position for a second i, I get the sense from the people i talk to that like granted if Jamil reynolds had stayed around i'm sure you probably wouldn't be like yeah we could use a good back-to-the-basket guy, but I get the sense that you kind of like using your bigs a little bit more as like you want them to be elite screen setters, maybe some pick-and-pop, pick-and-roll type of guys. Is that kind of what you're envisioning? I know coaches will say, I don't want to limit myself to one style, but is that kind of a little bit more what you're thinking of when, when it comes to your play style?
0: Well, I think it always helps when you have five guys that are skilled out there, and that's something we're looking to do. I, I'd like, you know, i use the term five loosely because we just want some basketball players out there, but the the five man for us, I want him to be a, a great passer, a great screener, a great finisher, a great defender, a great communicator. Like our bigs, we're gonna ask them to talk a lot in pick and roll coverage, so they've got to practice it. We talked about it the other day; they have to be like Kevin Garnett. You got to talk the full length of the game, so that's something we look for. If there's a guy again that back to the basket can score, great. We'll do it. We're gonna to play to our strengths. Um, and just because they're back to the guy doesn't mean they can't pass. But we want a guy with skill that can score back to the basket, can pop, shoot threes, because it just makes it a lot harder to guard. But then defensively, they've got to bring maximum effort. I don't care who it is. That's what we're looking for, maximum effort the whole time they're out there. And, um, you know, I think we'll have that.
1: As you guys move forward, whether it's in the portal or high school guys, that's what you're going to be looking for in your bigs?
0: Yeah, yeah. We'd like to have bigs that are skilled, um, high IQ, pass, score, rebound. And, again, just – Defend like that. The, I want guys to come in here and say, "I want to defend." We need guys that can have that stopper mentality.
1: Along those lines, when it comes to like your coaching style and the, the playing style of the team, you've had so many guys. That I'm assuming have been mentors to you, even just going back to Jerry Dunn, Ed, De, Ed De Chalice, obviously Jay Wright, even his brother Derek. When you were in high school, Coach Jim uh, Jim Larranaga, Micah, Pat Chambers. I, I know you could probably sit here for hours and talk about what they've meant to you, but. What are some of the things that jump out to you that you take from those guys as you kind of blend that all together now and now you're at the helm of your own program? What are some of the things that kind of flash to you in the morning or different points during the day?
0: You know, a lot does, John. A lot comes to you. You know, a lot of things. One, you slide over one seat and you do see there's a lot of things that you think you're ready for and then things pop up and, uh, and they're great things. You know, especially being a part of the Big Five, there are a lot of events. I was like, "Oh wait, I got to do this tonight," but you're excited to do it and it's special. Um, you know, and I learned from all of them. You look at Coach Wright, what he's done at Villanova—just it's um, absolutely incredible. And he just builds a program. You know, and he has built a tradition where guys want to come back, and that's what we're trying to to reconnect with a lot of basketball alums. We want them to come back, so I think you learn that. And just his style of play too is. You know, those guys always compete. They have an identity. And that's what that I've learned from Coach Wright. Uh Coach Shrewsbury, his time in the NBA unbelievable you learn about spacing and there's some things I was a sponge in year one just listening to all the details that he provided and him coaching in an NBA all-star game and he's got pictures of that and you know here he is coaching the best in the in the world and he's now bringing that knowledge to our guys so uh, we still talk early and often he's a great um, mentor to me and you know he went through being a head coach for the first time two years ago so I'm picking his brain hey how did you do this and uh, he's been phenomenal um, and then coaching Coach Liernega, you know all, all these guys coach Dunn, coach the coach chambers all great um, but coach laranaga was with him eight years and that's kind of probably my main mentor and how we'll try to build our program and he teaches you how to run a program how to treat people the right way how to recruit the right people to fit what you're trying to do which isn't always the best basketball player you look there's guys that he's recruited Uh, Come out of high school, ranked 167, 187. He doesn't care about any of that. And then they turn out to be first and second round NBA draft picks. He's just an incredible mentor, great family man. His wife's an incredible assistant coach over there. And uh, he's a guy that I've probably uh, had on speed dial here a lot since I've had the head job. There's that story.
1: I've read that that story now in a few places where... You took the Nikes and you spray painted them. And it's a great relatable story because even some of us in the journalism business, it's like how do you break through with a cover letter? How do you get someone's attention? And you did that. Can you share that story with me again? Because that's really cool because it's again an example of you being a self-starter and hustling and really kind of just grinding on your way up to where you are now.
0: Yeah, you know, I I, I tell our guys all the time, you, you gotta separate yourself. You gotta add value to what's there. So I had a pair of um, blue and white sneakers, I spray painted um, green and orange, a lot of spray paint and uh, (laughs) put them back in the box. Uh, My resume was inside the box and on the outside of the box I put a note, um, Coach Laronega. I didn't have any green and orange shoes so I made my own, I'm two feet in to be a hurricane. Um, I think that's the only reason he called me. And he kept the shoes. And then when he promoted me to an assistant coach, he gave me the shoes back. And I displayed them in my office. And he said, Always remember, you know, to basically stand out, bring value. And uh, I still have those shoes. They were in my office at Penn State. And uh, they'll be in the office here. It's just a reminder every day of, of that. And uh, again, I'm so grateful he called. And, um, you know, Got to be creative in, in in this world. How do you separate it? So that was something that uh, came up with, and it worked. If he didn't like things like that, it could have backfired. So you just got to know, you know, the people too when you're doing things like that.
1: Obviously, you played in high school, and there I know there are a lot of guys who didn't weren't elite college players. But did you always kind of feel like you had a chip on your shoulder, like I got to prove myself a little bit more than the next guy because I wasn't a star college player, I wasn't in the NBA. Was that part of your process? Because You've said like you, you had that anecdote where you're like you're looking around and make sure no, no basketballs are in people's ways. And they're not going to trip over them and stuff. It was that always part of you where you thought, I got to prove myself a little bit more? Or is that kind of overblown in this business?
0: I think it's a little bit overblown. Like I always wanted to do the best job I did in each position. So my goal when I was video coordinator, I want to be the best video coordinator in the country. And that's where I took pride and that chip on my shoulder when I was a director of basketball. You know, I always said to Coach "I want to be the best director best boy you've ever had. So I never tried to do the position I was trying to get. Mm-hmm. I tried to be a superstar in the position I was in. With that comes spending extra your own time. Like I tell guys all the time, you got to get in the gym on your own. So I had to do things on my own to get to the next spot. And that would be sitting in Coach Huger's office office listening to him make recruiting calls when i was the director of ops listening to an eric conkle coach caputo and that was stuff i was doing on my own time because i had to make sure that i was being the best director of basketball operations because i think too many people want to try to get that next spot and don't do a great job in the role they're in because they're looking ahead and i always felt like do the best job i can and then if i do that well coach will see it and then we'll go from there
1: what did that mean to you when, when Coach Laranaga, like Michael, wanted to take you, and it's cool that you guys are now working together now, he wanted to take you to Bowling Green, some different situations, maybe Coach Laranaga says, yeah, Adam, you should. hey, good, good opportunity for you to get on the bench. When he basically said to you, nah, stick around, I'm assuming that had to be a huge boost for your confidence where are like, all right, I'm still in this ops role, but he's essentially telling me, stick around for a little while longer. What did that mean to you?
0: Uh, it was two ways I looked at it like that at first and I looked at it like oh man there's my shot to be an assistant Uh, but I'm big in loyalty and and trust and he gave me an opportunity and you know I felt like it was the right thing that whatever he needed I was going to do and you know that's something that I don't know if you see as much nowadays with transfer portal and all that stuff but to me I'm huge into loyalty my family had a hotel and restaurant for 50 years in the community so there's something special I just believed in him same thing when I um left villanova to go work for coach chambers I asked coach right for his blessing and he gave it i think you it's just something you need to do um so uh i was super excited to think that at some point i'd be an assistant coach hopefully at miami i uh, didn't expect it to happen three weeks later when eric conkle got the louisiana wow. tech job who's now at tulsa in our league but uh, you know i think it taught me a lot that just just to have great faith great belief in the people that you're working for and then they'll do what's best for you Declan, what did you think?
2: It was really interesting. I I think my favorite part was the part about the shoes, which you had mentioned you heard about. I had never heard that story before. Him getting the, I can just picture him getting the green and orange spray paint, trying to make the shoes look nice, and and sending that to coach. And as somebody that struggled getting a summer job, I could totally relate to that. Him putting his resume in the box and sending it, trying to make an impression. Um, so that was the part I really enjoyed hearing about. But I think the the part about Team One Twenty Eight and making this, you know. Version of Temple basketball, unique and and really catering to the guys that are on the roster rather than having a set identity and then you know trying to find players. Uh, I think that's something that's unique to what we've heard before. You know, we we get caught up in the in the mindset of Temple tough basketball, kind of in a way. I think and um, hearing that, you know, Fisher's going to try and see who's on his roster first, evaluate each and every individual talent, which is something the players seem to to admire as well. Um I think we're in store for a team that we cannot predict. You know, mm-hmm. in sitting here right now in your office in the middle of June. So, I think that's that was the thing that I took away from that part is I have no idea what to expect come October, November.
1: Yeah, and I think he's pretty I think he's pretty realistic and pretty genuine when he talks about what to expect for the coming season. I mean, I think he even said it in his introductory press conference. Like, I'm not going to say we're a family. Yeah, that's the point that I want to get to in November. I think all the – well, the the players that we've talked to have talked about how much energy he brings to things and that that's genuine. Yeah, I like the anecdote about the shoes because, like I said to him in the interview, when you're applying, it's a different line of work. But when you're trying to apply for a job – In our line of work, it's like, how do you write the perfect letter, the cover letter, how do you stand out? Yeah, what font
2: do you use on your resume to make sure it pops? Like, all those little (laughs) details. Yeah,
1: and that that got him in the door. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, Miami, I mean, Penn State was a big part of his coaching resume, of course, most recently before he came to Temple and came back to Philly. But Jim Laranage has been a huge, huge part of his career. So I hope you guys enjoyed that part of the interview. Again, if you are not and AlScoop.com subscriber,
2: What are you Now's doing? The time. Yeah, what, are you, what doing? are you doing?
1: With all due respect. <laughs> With course. all due and respect, of course, and thank you for listening to the thank podcast. Thank you for listening to the yes. podcast, but yeah, parts, but two, Sorry. Yes, parts two and part three will exclusively be for our AlScoop.com subscribers. If you have not subscribed yet, all you got to do, head to AlScoop.com, you'll see a link there on the main page to subscribe. Uh, Part two and part three, what's ahead for you there? In part two, he talks about how he successfully recruited players like Isaiah Wong and Lonnie Walker and Bruce Brown, who just won a title with the Nuggets last night, how he recruited those guys to Miami. Uh, A lot of details on Jaleel White and Hyser Miller, Shane Dazoni, what he has in store for those guys, what his uh, his plans are for the last two spots on his staff. Uh, There's an announcement on one of those spots he told us that's coming up. You won't want to miss that. Uh, and he talked about his wife Rebecca and his daughter Olivia last year in a podcast that we, we did with with Stan Drayton. Stan told us this great story about how he met his wife. Had a lot of twists and turns to it, which was which was great and entertaining. But um I like asking coaches about that because I think sometimes fans think it's the cliche thing for coaches to say, I gotta thank my wife, mm-hmm. blah, 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 blah. But I mean, it really is true because These guys do, yes, eventually they get to a point where they're head coach, and they get compensated very well for it, but they move around. They make a lot of sacrifices, so I wanted Adam to shed some light on that part of his life, so some great stuff there. And then part three is going to include details about where he thinks this program is with NIL, where Temple still needs to uh, make some progress. You'll hear a lot about that. Uh, talking about his place in the game as, as one of just 12 Jewish head coaches in Division One college basketball among 350 or 351, so it's a small percentage. I think only 3% of the coaches in America in Division One men's college basketball are Jewish. Talked about what that meant to him, what he's doing to engage some former players, and also gave us a little glimpse into their recruiting plan for the next couple of years. So a lot of good stuff ahead that you won't want to miss. So want to appreciate uh, and say thank you to Adam for his time. That he spent with me in that conversation. Got some football recruiting updates for you. So, since we last recorded, Temple added two more players to its 2023 class, and Isim Smith Marset from North Jersey's Wequaque High School, and then Keon Johnson from Florida's Inlet Grove High School. You might remember reading my story if you're an Al subscriber uh, about about Keon Johnson. So, he visited a couple weekends ago. And basically was saying, look, I I want to commit. Just didn't have the offer. He finally got the offer last week, uh, averaged 22.5 yards per catch last season, recently finished seventh in the 400 meters uh, in the 2A state championship down in Florida. And then uh, it seems Smith Marquette is the younger brother of Kansas City Chiefs player Amir Smith Marquette um will probably be a safety at Temple. Did a little bit of everything for Weekwake last year. He's about 5'10, uh finished the season with three interceptions, six receiving touchdowns, had a punt return, touchdown. Uh so two speed guys at the end of the at the end of the class there. Uh you know, we'll see. Obviously, we these guys have to get to Temple. Could they both be red shirt candidates? Probably. But, you know, this is where Temple in the past has done a good job of finding guys late, late, late in the recruiting cycle. Again, Jaquan Jarrett, who played for the Eagles and, and the Jets in his NFL career, comes to mind as a guy like that. And now, Temple has its first two verbals from the 2024 class, again, since we last recorded. And quarterback Chris Dietrich from North Jersey's Pope John the 23rd High School and wide receiver Bryson Goodwin from Florida's Jesuit High School. Both guys that Johnny's Wislak had written about um, earlier on this year as they had gotten offers from Temple. You can go back and read those stories. Of course, we have stories up about them now, uh, committing to Temple. Um, last week in the mailbag, I was asked which of the recruits Temple had the best chance of landing. Based off the official visits, they did get Dietrich. And, but I did mention Bryson Goodwin, so hey, we're, we're Not right bad. every once in a while. Not so, bad. Not bad. So, And uh, there's another one that's going to be on the way as well. Again, now is where things start to heat up with recruiting, again, that the cycle takes a little bit of a different feel now in some ways where, I think I mentioned this in previous shows, where now with the portal being what it is, I think there's, not that, that kids didn't commit early before, because they have, and that will still continue to be a thing, but I think now kids know that, hey, you know, teams aren't really signing twenty twenty five guys. Some still do, but... Things are going to start to pick up now, so um, I would expect there to be another verbal between now and the, and the next time we record, if not a couple more so. And before we get to the the mailbag, we actually have some basketball recruiting information and some updates to pass along. So in addition to the 2024 class, uh, Adam Fisher and his staff are getting a start on the 2025 class, and several players, again, we're recording this on... Today's Tuesday, right, Declan? <laughs> Tuesday. So Monday night, uh, several players from the 2025 class started uh, tweeting about offers from Temple. Isaiah Henry, he's a combo guard at the Cannon School in North Carolina. KJ Cochran, a local, a local point guard at the Poker, uh, sort of local in the Perky Omen School over in Pennsburg. Jerry Easter, he is a six foot four shooting guard at La Lumiere School in Indiana. Devin Booker. And Christo Ray, a 6'4 shooting guard there. The connection to Christo Ray is that former Temple great Deontay Christmas is on the staff there. And then the most notable name that's going to pop out to people is Jeremy McKee. Temple officially offered him uh, this week. Jeremy McKee, of course, at St. Joe's Prep, becoming one of the better players in the city. I think most people know that by now. He's a first-team All-Catholic League player, pretty good shooter, Average 16.5 points a game. I think it put him in the top 10 in the Philly Catholic League. So uh, the 2025 offers are starting to get out there. So I uh, wanted to pass that along as well. We shall see. Yeah. So let's get to the mailbag here. got a few mailbag questions. The first one comes from the Al Scoop, excuse me, subscriber. The screen name is Hootsalot. Question here, how has Stan Drayton's recruiting strategy and pitch changed since he was hired? My sense is that the staff... Has been forced to mine a little deeper for potential diamonds due to name, image, and likeness, local crime, etc. Also, why don't we hear about Bigfoot sightings anymore? Um <laughs> It's
2: a great question,
1: great, terrific question. Uh Although, am I getting deja vu on this, or was this recently? Uh, was this recently a? I feel like I heard that question in somebody's stand-up act recently, and maybe maybe it's just deja vu, or maybe Hutzilat is referring to some line from someone stand-up comedy act and I'm not I'm just not getting it it just sounds familiar to me for whatever reason
2: I I got nothing I, I just know. I was gonna take this question seriously and fully give you an answer but you know go
1: ahead give us give us the serious answer on the Bigfoot sightings then we'll actually get to the football
2: well because I think of AI you know anybody can generate an AI video these days you never mm-hmm. know what's real and what's fake we can't distinguish now we definitely can't distinguish what a real sightings of Bigfoot and what somebody put into you know, some sort of generator. So that'd be my thoughts on the matter.
1: Also, Or maybe I'm thinking of when Chelsea and I went up to Colorado in December and we went up to Pike's Peak, I think our tour guide was talking about Bigfoot, but I swear I just heard some stand-up comedian talking about it. I don't know. Thinking out loud on this, my apologies, suits a lot. Let's get to your— I'm your, Googling it while you answer the question. Your, your football question was, how has Stan Drayton's recruiting strategy and pitch changed since he was hired? I don't know that it's changed. I know what you're getting at, and I understand that, yes, name, image, and likeness. And, you know, yeah, let's face it. Like, Temple, it was a tough year for Temple. There was some crime off campus, and we would be naive to think that opposing coaches, even some who are probably close to Stan Drayton, but people, this is their livelihood. They need players. I'm sure negative recruiting goes on. So, yeah, maybe they've had the battle that perception, but I don't know that it's changed as much. I think you're seeing them dip into the JUCO ranks, you know, a little bit more with guys like Diego Brajas, with you know adding depth at the quarterback position. But I still think they're doing things in largely the same fashion with the camps. Um like this guy Chris Dietrich, his his offers I think he had Bucknell and Mammoth some interest from Boston College, some interest from Duke. And, you know, you I can almost guarantee that we'll have a few subscribers say, well, I wish he had more offers. I wish he had more offers. And then we end up saying, you know, Kyle usually th- throws out the time as a flat circle thing. Like we've seen this before. Like at this stage in the game, coming off a 3-9 and nine season – Temple is not going to be getting a four-star quarterback who they plucked away from the likes of USC, Penn State, and Alabama. We know that. Most people know that. But I still think they're following the same script where if they like a guy in a camp, if they've seen him throw, they like him, they like his physical tools, they think they can work with him, I don't think they're going to really care who's offered them. Uh, and the two guys that we were talking about at the tail end, we, as far as we know, the tail end of the 2023 class, and Keon Johnson and Asim Smith-Marset, two speed guys. Mm-hmm. And again, that's it's a huge cliche, but if these guys are fast, if they're track guys, if they play in some competitive leagues, football up in North Jersey, at Weekend, they play in a pretty good conference, they're probably saying, hey, let's, let's take a flyer on these guys, and we'll take this on a year-by-year basis. So I don't know that... Like I said, I think maybe the minor difference is just dipping into dipping into the JUCO ranks a little bit more than they have in the past. Otherwise, I still think they're following the same script, mm-hmm. trying to get ahead of other programs, trusting the tape, trusting their evaluations. So I I don't really think too much has changed. Back to you, Declan. What do you have for us in the Bigfoot sightings? Has Google unearthed any rare gems for us with this?
2: Somewhat, but I will add to what you were saying a big thing with recruits that we've talked to as well as getting to campus, like you mentioned. So, I mean, local crime was part of the question, but I know coaches have made it a big point to get people to see what Temple is rather than just the headlines as well. So, you mentioned pitch in the question. I think that's a big part of it. But I do have uh, information, and take this, you know, for, for whatever you want. This is themeeteater.com. Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> quoting. Everybody's <laughs> trusted. Everybody's trusted <laughs> source on Bigfoot
1: They're quoting. Tacklin, what, what sort of trouble are you getting us They're into? quoting
2: several doctors. Okay, one's from Idaho State University. Oh, that's pretty God. pretty big deal, I I've think. I've heard of Idaho State. That's, a, that's an actual. Right, that's a school. That's a stolt. We got that going for us. They mentioned that, you know, the mainstream coverage of Bigfoot has gone down. Not necessarily that Bigfoot sightings... Have decreased it 's just that you know they they aren't getting covered as much as they used to, so now you 're getting them on you know you're getting your normal amount, but they 're going to Twitter rather than say your twelve o 'clock news, you know what I 'm saying, so I think uh, that's why we're hearing less and less about it because you know you 're not going to see Bigfoot walking down Broad Street right so until that happens that's that's saved for Twitter, I think more often than not is what the uh, the fine folks at the are dot com. <laughs> A lot. I I hope you sincerely appreciate the effort that Declan has put in here. So uh, much effort. And an article from two thousand three said Bigfoot is real. So and that's National article. Geographic. So
1: Ooh, all right, little there you go. Yeah. Two thousand three
2: though. So twenty years ago. Hopefully something didn't Last happen to Bigfoot in between then. Yeah. Where were you in two thousand three? I was one year old. I, what was one, one year old from this article? What, being what was Declan Landis like as a one year old child? Great question. No idea. I know I ate a carpet at some point in my young life, but I don't know what age I was. I was like within two, though, within two years of being born. Like a piece of a carpet I had to go to the hospital. Jesus. <laughs> yeah, I was a messed up kid. I had a rough childhood, in, in terms of me getting hurt. <laughs>
1: You were the kid that was, like, getting into the medicine cabinet and everything? Yeah, I don't and... know if
2: you can see my scar here, but I have a scar on my lip on the left side. Uh, I tripped over my dad's motorcycle at three years old and got, like, 20-something stitches. That's kind of a badass story, though. It is. It is, and it's a cool-looking scar. It's not like, tri- uh,
1: yeah, I tripped over some Legos. Uh,
2: no, it was a motorcycle, and it was, like, the brake pad on the motorcycle. And, I, you know, we'll have to talk about it, but I've, I've been in the emergency room quite a few times in wow. my life <laughs> for stuff I like that. was in the that.
1: emergency room for a broken... Broken left pinky toe once. Broken really? right pinky toe, yes. What'd you do? Oh, God. Uh, as long okay. as it won't get you in trouble. No, it was like one thirty in the morning. Was taking out my contact lenses. My wife will actually appreciate me telling this story. Um, we had gone out to dinner. My mother-in-law came with us and was, was spending the night with us. Wait,
2: how recently was this, this then? This
1: was back in like 20... 18 ish, 19 ish, pre COVID. That's a lot
2: more recent than I thought. <laughs>
1: so we went to, I believe, Tecco, which is a really, really good Italian restaurant in Newtown Square. Okay. Might be better than the Olive Garden. Uh, I was
2: sure. just going to say it's no Olive no, Garden. A lot better than the Olive Garden. So
1: <laughs> come back, we're up late, had a glass of wine, drinking, uh, just relaxing, decided we're going to go to bed. Um, my mother in law goes into our spare bedroom. I'm taking my contact lenses out, and I stub my toe on like this little like cabinet that we have in the bathroom, and I feel the pain. I'm like, oh, it's that stub your toe pain, but right. it feels a little bit worse. Oh, I'm like, damn, this hurts. This really, it really hurts. I didn't put my glasses on yet. Okay, and my vision's not good without. Oh no, without. I don't like glasses. where this is going. I look down. And I'm like. I could be wrong, but I feel like that toe is out oh. at like a forty-five degree angle. Oh, so I bring my glasses with me and I walk out. my My mother in law heard me. She's like, "You okay?" I said, "Chell, does this look bad?" She goes, "Oh, oh, yeah, that doesn't look good. <laughs> it does not look good." My mother in law looks. Like it goes, "Oh, oh," and they're looking it up. It might be broken. It might be this. <laughs> I love my mother in law to death. She's great. I was like. Can you both please just shut the hell up? <laughs> I was like, do I I think I might need to go to the, the, the ER? I looked down, I was like, it was like literally bent out oh. completely to the right. I was nope. like, um, nope. Okay. We go to the ER at Mawr Hospital. Uh-huh. You still feel like a bit of a fool being there because at the end of the day you have a broken toe, right? Right, yeah. And they the, the ER wasn't too crowded. went at the front desk because like, Can I help you? I was like, Yeah, I think I've I think I broke my toe. Literally, at that same time, this guy comes in. He's like, I think I'm having a heart attack. I was like, you should probably <laughs> get to him first. They finally, they, they get to me, and they're like, all right, Mr. DiCarlo, we'll, we'll wheel you back. We mm-hmm. need to take you back here for some paperwork. I was right. like, I can walk. And they're like, please sit down in this wheelchair. Declan, they literally wheel me, me like five to ten feet behind the desk. <laughs> so you feel like a fool. They do the intake paperwork. Uh huh. They bring me back. And, so here's the, the embarrassing part. I'm going to be 47 years old tomorrow. Oh, my gosh. Happy birthday. And thank you. I have gotten much, much better with it over the past couple of years. For whatever reason, I have not been great at swallowing pills in my life. Mm. Don't know why. Just just haven't been. They bring me back there. They did x-rays. And the one ER nurse said, on a scale of 1 to 10, how bad is the pain? I was like, it's bad. But I said, I think my foot's just, like, numb. I can't really feel anything. She was like, yeah, we're... x-rays are gonna come back we're probably gonna have to like reset this like it hadn't like broken through the skin or anything Uh but she said all right have you taken anything for the pain i said no and she's like okay let me go get some prescription strength motrin for you i said before you do i said this is a little embarrassing (laughs) but i said i i know i'm too old for this but i'm not the best at swan pills she's like She said something like, yeah, we get someone like you in here every once in a while like this. She goes, let me see what I have. (laughs) She comes back and brings me like this stack of like eight or nine things that look like little like prepackaged Jell-O shots that you would see at parties. (laughs) And I was like, what's that? She's like, this is like baby Motrin. This is like baby aspirin. She's like, I want you to take this syringe and keep loading it into this. And you're going to shoot this into your mouth. My wife just starts laughing. (laughs) And She's like, just keep putting this into your mouth. And I was like, all right. <laughs> they come in. They're like, yeah, your, your toe's broken in a couple of places. We're going to reset it. And the ER doctor's, like, trying to talk to me. So says, like you feeling any better? And he does this thing. I was like, wow. Oh, that hurt. They tape me up, and I'm fine. But Chelsea likes to joke around and say, somewhere later on the night, somebody came in, brought their young child in. they like... <laughs> Sorry, you're gonna have to. <laughs> you're gonna have to go to Lankanaw or Paoli <laughs> because some idiot came in here and took all the baby Motrin. So that's my story of resiliency.
2: Wow! Yeah, what a what a warrior.
1: <laughs> Since then, I have gotten. I mean, I still can't swallow like these huge like horse pills. Right, but, but you're better. Better, yes. There uh, you go. But again, that is not a. Uh, it's baby steps. It's improvement. <sighs> we'll yeah. take it yeah yeah my wife loves loves telling that story just just told that story my buddy jeff nyberg who who works at the philadelphia Inquirer. we just told that story at his wedding cocktail hour ace carter looked at me and and started laughing as, as as well he should have so anyway where the hell were we got two more two more mailbag questions to get to there um green street al asks us following up on my question from the pin scholarship board on the message board here is the staff recruiting Kafeek Myers, who took visits last season. So Kafeek Myers is a class of 2024 point guard at Newman-Gretti High School. I believe they still are, but that's a great question, Green Street Al, because Temple did just host um, Isaiah Pasha for an unofficial visit this past weekend. So he had a really good uh, season this past season at Cardinal O'Hara, and he's going to be taking a post-grad year up at St. Thomas More Up in the New England area. He's a 2024, 2024, excuse me, guard that they like. My educated guess, and again, I know I say this and everybody teases me for it um, Tuesday, June 13th. At this point, things are fluid, things could change, but I would still think that they could still maybe be a little bit more portal heavy in 24 and then hit the 2025 high school class a lot harder. So when they're recruiting high school players, I think that they're going to be a little bit more selective. It could be recency bias on my end. I, I think because they just had Isaiah Pasha in here. I know they like him. They like him enough to have offered him. I'm not quite, quite sure where things stand with Kafeek Myers. Obviously, the previous staff liked him. Mm-hmm. Um, had a pretty good year for Newman Guretti. We'll see. Um, great question. I think they still like him. I, you know, again, Adam Fisher can't comment on the record about guys who haven't signed letters of intent yet. So we'll see. But my, you know, my, my, my guess there is that they're looking at a couple of different guys at that spot. And again, the roster could change and probably will change in the future. So exactly. great question, but I am curious to get some feelers on how the new staff feels about Kafeek Myers. Again, pretty good player at Newman-Gretti. Um... A slighter build than Heisier Miller, but uh, not, not as, as strong or bulky, but a quick player in terms of getting to the rim. But great question. We'll see. Um, final question here from Temple22 is the screen name. Coach Fisher clearly understands how important NIL is and will be moving forward. Is anything being done to try to ramp up these efforts? Temple22, I would ask you to listen to part three. Is it part two or part three? What did I think I say you said there? part three. Part three is where Adam Fisher gets into NIL with me uh, in that portion of our one-on-one interview there. And uh, again, for those of you listening to the podcast who are not subscribed to OwlScoop.com, as I said, check out the interview. Adam's great. Gave me a lot of great stuff. Uh, and you'll have an answer to that question there. Mm-hmm. So uh, And then some. Yes, and then some. I uh, can you Can you before we close things out here can you share an embarrassing story about yourself so i'm not just left hanging with this broken,
2: broken i got your story no I've, you really don't have to I no i have right. i have two that are very similar one third grade i was over at my babysitter's house lived in my neighborhood Wait, we
1: went right quick, down the street though, you were in yes. third grade this was like for me it's, it's taking true. baby aspirin
2: like that's true three or four years ago but to be fair i haven't had that many years you know and I've had a lot of injuries. Those were just the two that came to mind.
1: Remember that time you called me really old on a podcast? That's
2: not true. Yeah. I just said, haven't, I haven't had, had as many, had many years. I haven't had as many years as Javon. Does that make you feel better? That's not going to stop me from accusing you. of ageism. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. Right, I'm used to it. <laughs> um, third grade, went to my babysitter's house, and they had these two giant poodles. Mm-hmm. And I am terrified of dogs. Still to this day? Yeah. I like, I, like, I like dogs, don't get me wrong. I give like Bear, if my adorable... No, Bear I'd have no problem he, with. Big dogs. Oh, big dogs. Any okay. dog yeah, that, yeah, any animal, dog. animal that could potentially overpower me, not a fan. Mm-hmm. And birds as well, but that's another Wait, thing. What? You're, you're afraid of birds? I just don't like them. I'm not really afraid of them, I just don't okay. like them. Um, anyway, the two dogs, and I'm in third grade, so I'm slightly smaller than I am now. Mm-hmm. Uh, two large poodles come charging at me. She has a trampoline. <laughs> I am on the trampoline. They jump up on the trampoline. She has a picnic table to get off of the trampoline. So you get on the picnic table, get off on the the you know the seat of the picnic table, and then get onto the ground. I skip the middleman. I jump off the picnic table onto the grass, fractured my growth plate. I was in a cast for about six months because these oh, wow. dogs were chasing me. And then sixth grade... Wait, what
1: happened after you hit the ground? Did the dogs find you and just lick you to death or no?
2: No, they finally... I mean, I ran around a little bit and they finally like caught him. Um, But then like the next morning I couldn't walk Mm. and my mom thought I was faking. And then two days later, she was like, all right, we'll go to the doctor. And he was like, yeah, you, you cannot be... We were at the Christiana mall walking around and he was like, you cannot be on your feet right now. So... That was not fun. Wait,
1: for two days your mother didn't believe you?
2: Yes. She thought I was faking, yeah, which toss. is valid, you know. I understand that. Ah, uh, you know. Were you the boy who there. cried wolf growing up? Did they did I, she have reason to maybe, believe you were faking? Maybe. I don't remember. I remember not wanting to go on my field trip, um, and that just so happened to be three days later. So maybe that's what it was. How did that make you feel? Ah, uh, you know, it hurt. <laughs> <I'm> just <laughs> like physically. I'm just kidding. I was trying to play your therapist. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We'll get into it. We'll, it's more for the next episode. Absolutely. Of too. We'll
2: turn that one over to Kyle. Yes. And then sixth grade uh, gym class, we ran laps. And, we, and some of my friends were playing tag. I was not. Uh, I was struggling to run the laps because I am who I am. And uh, this one kid came up and tried to tag me. I uh, won't name names because that's not who I am. And um, trips me. And now, if you x-ray my left foot for some reason, I don't know. You know, people are weird. Uh, I have. A, I
1: did ask for X-rays as part of your employment with. <laughs> that's al-state.com. true.
2: I was wondering why that was a question on there. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I have a divot in my in my foot where my bone used to be because of that. So Jesus. Yeah, it like it chipped and then dissolved. It's not like a huge divot, but it's there. It's like noticeable. So
1: well, what goes on in in Northern Maryland?
2: Chaos, craziness. Mm. It's it's the cornfields, you know. Wow, they got the magic power. I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that.
1: Well, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> sorry for what you've been through. <laughs> maybe it really sh- wasn't. Maybe that I bad. shouldn't have. Maybe I shouldn't have asked. But you know what? You're resilient. You're yeah. Shout today. out
2: AI Dupont Hospital great, you know, took care of me a couple times. Shout out to Bryn Mawr Hospital for giving me baby Motrin. <laughs> there you go, took care of me. To get you. me
1: through my very serious broken yes, toe injury. Yes, cater so. to your
2: needs. That's, you know, the Bottom good line here of The Scoop, we service. appreciate the medical community. <laughs> yeah, absolutely we do. Anyway,
1: thank you for sticking with us for another episode <laughs> of The Scoop. Uh, thank you to, uh, in addition to the medical community, thank you to our sponsors, <laughs> Greenspan and Greenspan Injury Lawyers, who did not represent me or Declan no. in um, any of our just our, our these injuries that have defined who we are today. So. Yes,
2: thank you to Joe T as well for fueling me this afternoon. He's the guy who tripped you. No, Joe T is the. Oh, Joe guy. T. That's right. That's <laughs> how oh, I, I wasn't going to name names. I'm not. What that a guy. way to close out the show.
1: Anyway, we'll have more. Uh, again, I think as I said earlier, this is when football recruiting starts to heat up. And again, if you have not subscribed to alicecoop.com, that was a great time. You can catch part two and part three of my interview with Adam Fisher. Again, a big thank you to Adam for the time he spent with me earlier today. Hope you guys are having a great June. We'll Talk to you soon.